Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting guest like we always have on our podcast. His name is Pat Ford. He's with the Libertarian Party. He's going to talk to us about his interesting experiences. So welcome to the podcast, Pat. Hey, thank you so much for having me. We're glad to have you. If we could get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. Uh, my name is Pat Ford. I am on the what's called the LNC, the Libertarian National Committee of the Libertarian Party. Uh, I formerly represent Region 8, which is New England, New York, and New Jersey. Uh, and essentially, I'm on the board, uh, and I serve, if you will, at the leisure and serve the individual state libertarian parties, libertarian party affiliates in, again, New York, New Jersey, and all of New England. Uh, during the day, I'm an independent media reporter with press credentials in Rhode Island, and I cover Rhode Island and some national news as well. Uh, you know, as a reporter, but with a, uh, through the prism, if you will, of the libertarian movement. Oh, great. Sounds like a lot of interesting stuff that we can unpack on this podcast today. So our, if our audience members are getting involved either in the Libertarian Party or some other alternative party, and they may have an opportunity to be on the National Committee like you are, could you please describe what their responsibilities would be, what they would be getting into? Sure. So as in any national board, uh, and, you know, we, we, we are not unlike – in a sense, our structure, like say a DNC or an RNC, um, our focus is to provide input on two levels. Number one, based on our, our political and business experience and life experience, uh, we try to get perspective to the national chair, the executive director, the operation director, and the staff of the Libertarian Party, which is based formally in Virginia, uh, just right outside of DC. Uh, but on another level, I happen to be a regional representative, so I'm very much representing the interests of the state parties as well. And that's, you know, messaging, uh, focus on ballot access, focusing on voter registration where we have complete ballot access, and uh, political advice because although we're a national party, we're the third largest political party in, in the country, yeah. uh, at the same time, like any other political organization, we very much have different regions, different emphasis, different perspective. So my job is to make sure that the folks in New England and New Jersey and New York have a seat at the table and, and, and have a perspective placed before the national body. So that's my, my responsibilities. I personally love to work with affiliates uh, from the entire country. We're, we're doing a couple of interesting programs now. We're getting involved on a national level in mutual aid. Uh, and, and that's a, a function of our philosophy as well. So it's a lot of fun. They're great people, great organization. And I encourage anyone to go to our website, lp.org, and, and check out. Uh, what's, what's interesting is a very prominently uh, listed statement of principles, our, uh, you know, our, our principles and our uh, our platform are central to both our philosophy and our organization. What differentiates us from, say, the Republican or the Democratic Party, their interest is purely in getting elected and are literally willing to wave that finger in the wind to see what's going to take them to get elected. We're a philosophy and a movement, and we're looking to advance our principles to the national stage 
And uh, as a result, we lead with our principles. We lead with our platform as opposed to the other parties who, well, seek to bury it, quite frankly, because they're not interested in really standing for anything. So it's a very different world, but it's fun. I have the greatest jobs in the world. I get wow. to talk and, and walk around and drive around a good part of the country and preach liberty. And it, awesome. it doesn't get any better than that. Wow. So what led you to the Libertarian Party in the first place? Did it come later in life, or was it when you were young? How uh, did you get I was always a Libertarian. I just didn't know it. Interestingly enough, uh, my father was a near 40-year employee of the of the United States Post Office, and you, 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 you don't typically associate libertarianism with something like the Postal Service. Uh, sure. But I grew up around it, and he routinely, even as a young lad, pointed out to me all the issues surrounded with government taking over a, a sector of the economy. He talked about the failure of government. He talked about the mission creep of the government, how very often what started off as a, a grand idea and with a bunch of well-meaning people, ended up turning into a, a national failed bureaucracy. So it was interesting. He was also a veteran of World War uh, II, uh, a four-and-a-half-year veteran infantryman. And in fact, he's being uh, uh, he's going to be buried with full military honors at Arlington National Ceremony and at excuse me, uh, cemetery in just a few months. So uh-huh. here you have someone who fought for the country, uh, who in a sense worked for the country for his entire life, preaching to me about... Well, the evils, if you will, of big government and the evils of, of a warring nation and just what the costs were. So it's a, a different perspective than most. I actually joined the party probably about 10 or 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, I'd always been for a small government. I'd always been for personal responsibility, freedom, uh, you know, self-autonomy, all of that. But uh, I discovered the Libertarian Party through what became the uh, presidential candidacy of Gary Johnson. So, oh, in about 2012. Yep. So, oh, so he was the one that brought, brought you in there. Well, you know, it, it, it was funny because I'm a creature of media. I've always been a big talk radio guy. I've done talk radio. I do media now. And I'm driving, this is a true story, I'm driving along one night, and I was a, a habitué, a regular, if you will, uh, at, a, uh, at a great radio show, in Boston, now it's called Nightside, late night, uh, 50,000 watt channel, literally I've heard it in Tennessee, and it starts out of Boston, and uh, so I'm driving along one night, and I hear this politician, who's a Republican at the time, talking about you know, making government smaller, more responsive, individual liberty, like, wow, this, this sounds great, so I, I called in, and the host at the time said to me, well, well Pat, you're, you're going to love this guy, I want you to meet Gary Johnson, and... 12, 13 years later, I'm on the national board. Life's funny that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and I've actually become more libertarian as I've gotten older, crankier, more leaning towards anarchy, uh, and wow. doing everything I can on a daily basis to end the state. Wow, so. interesting. So you mentioned your career as media. Oftentimes, the alternative people are skeptical of the media because they... A lot of people say they don't portray us adequately and they don't cover what we need them to cover. So it's good that you're doing that from this perspective. Kindly experience how you work as a media representative with your libertarian needs. Well, I I, um, I got frustrated with the media a long time ago. And, okay. and for, for people who think that media bias is new, no, it's not. Media bias has existed as long as there's been 
media. Uh, you know, you go back to the newspapers that started in the country. Many of them were started by the uh, railroad barons, the robber barons, the tycoon barons. They were started specifically to uh, be their own little Pravda, if you will. So the notion that this is new is 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 silly. It, media, by definition, is biased. My organization is called the Coalition because in 2014, when I started it, I under, came to understand that there was overlap between progressives and libertarians on certain key issues, criminal justice reform, yeah. uh, an aversion to corporate welfare, uh, an anti-war, uh, an aggressive anti-war stance. And I thought, why not have a forum where progressives and libertarians could talk about the things they agree on? And as I always like to joke, in 20 or 30 years when we get all those things fixed, then we can go back and, you know, argue with each other. Uh, and so yeah. that's that's always been the philosophy. I'm a big believer in single-issue coalitions, particularly on areas like criminal justice reform, ending the drug war, uh, foreign policy, anti-war. All of those can serve us well if we get together and just focus on the issues as opposed to, you know, the current obsession over, you know, people's careers and what money they can make and, you know, and, and having ESPN moments on political talk shows as opposed to thoughtful conversation. So that's what I've worked in. You know, I'm a Corona convert. You know, when, when the Rona hit, it pretty much eliminated the, for a while, the business that I was in, invent, you know, the in industry I was in. And so I use that as an opportunity to take it full time. So now I go to press conferences and, you know, I get to ask all the questions that grassroots people have always wanted to ask, much to the delight of our governor, our federal congressional delegation, because I stand on the same line very often as ABC, NBC, and CBS, and Fox. You know, I'm just, I'm the guy with the less fan, with the, uh, the not so fancy camera gig that set up that those guys have. But I'm there. And, uh, I make sure I ask, I, I'm driven to ask technical, difficult questions that are based on fact, not on emotion. And I'm not interested in, in blather. I ask follow-up questions. So that's, that's my approach to everything. And, you know, and I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't believe government is the answer. In fact, I believe government's a problem. Okay. So I think it's the people you inquire for, they are reluctant to answer, or do you sometimes get them to <laughs> give you what you need? Um, a lot of times they're not capable of answering. You know, I, you know, we've got this obsession here. I live in Rhode Island. I work in Rhode Island uh, with this obsession, for example, with sports stadiums. And they 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 believe that they can grow the economy by using you know putting taxpayer funds at risk to subsidize these savings. And so that I I always like to say I say balderdash uh, because I too run a family friendly operation, <laughs> but we know I mean something else. So I'll ask him about, for example, you know if they can define economic growth, where it specifically it's coming from, um, explain things like the substitution principle, which is a fundamental freshman level discussion in economics in college, uh, which simply points out that many of these stadiums simply redirect consumer funds from one area to another, probably less efficient and less, uh, if you will, capable of developing local economies. And when I ask a question like that, then they're put on the spot because if they don't, if it's, you, you try to frame a question so that if a question can't be answered, well, that displays their lack of expertise. If they answer the question and they're wrong, that displays their lack of expertise. I know the answers. There, there is no benefit to taxpayers in any of these 
gigantic boondoggles. Uh, it, it, just, it just simply doesn't exist, and that's based on hard economics, not emotion, not the sort of nonsense uh, white haze they try to bring over people with by throwing out a lot of acronyms. I know the acronyms. I know the economics. <laughs> you know, just like foreign policy. I mean, I want to understand why they think it's a great idea to engage in billion-dollar brinkmanship uh, through a proxy war with Ukraine. Um, yeah. You know, where 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 is at all possibly upside? Why are we there? And and you know, they'll they're unable to point out why. They're other than to throw out cliches about. Um, yeah, the cliches about, you know, patriotism and, you know, freedom and things like that, in which I respond, okay, so we're going to bomb the freedom into these people. Is that what we're going to do? Hmm. And that's yeah. very often what happens. Uh, you can tell, by the way, I'm at a restaurant, so I apologize to your listeners. Uh, you can hear some of the normal background noises of a restaurant, so I'm going to pick up and walk to a little quiet area. But, um, okay. you know, what, what, what they're not capable of dealing with, quite frankly, are facts. It's all emotion. It, it, it's it's all noise, and when confronted with someone who wants solely to discuss facts, not emotion, uh, quite frankly, to answer your question, they're conflicted, they're confused, and sometimes they. I, have you ever seen that Facebook trope where people ask you on Facebook to describe your job badly? Um, when when I describe my job badly, I tell people that I chase politicians out of rooms. Because I have multiple videos where I ask a question, and they are just running for the door. So I follow them because it's fun. Why not? Get value for your entertainment dollar at the Coalition Radio Network. So it's complicated. It's nuanced. But I have some great relationships, too. There's a gentleman by the name of Jack Reed. He's a United States senator from Rhode Island. Uh, He's an interesting fellow because most people have never heard of him. And uh, Jack Reed likes that, I think. Uh, Jack Reed is, I believe, depending on what happens in this go-around, either the fourth or fifth most senior Senator in these United States. Oh, he's wow. also the head. He's also head of something called the Senate Armed Services Committee, which makes him arguably one of the most powerful men in the world when it comes to our nation's defense and our foreign policy. Sure. And um, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago because I run into him at events, and I I don't believe in staying on topic. If I see a politician out in the wild, I'm going to ask him whatever the hell I want. And so I asked him go. about the the. the the nation's uh, support of cluster bombs in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm sorry, United, not the United Kingdom. Yes, along with the United Kingdom in Ukraine. And cluster bombs are these, think of them as mini landmines that are dropped in the air, and, and they land, and most of them explode. Not all of them do. So it creates a situation just like landmines. And uh, we, interestingly enough, although you'll hear Americans, particularly on the American left, preach about the, the dangers and evils of landmines, and they're correct. We are not a party to the International Convention on Cluster Bombs. We're not. And we distribute them now to Ukraine. So I, can, I asked him about that, and he, he gave me an honest answer. I, on a personal level, I disagree with that answer, but that's not my job to argue with him. My job is to simply report what he believes and where he comes from. So I, I'm blessed that I have that kind of access for someone who, you know, you know, admittedly runs a uh, a smaller news organization, uh, but again, then I get to ask. Uh, there's that libertarian prism. I'm lo- I'm looking at things through the perspective of, an, of of being an anti-war person and wanting to understand as a result why we're in this, these wars, not just blatantly or blindly accept some jingoistic uh, 
cliched answer. So that's the perspective I work from. Sure. So your organization is called the Coalition, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Facebook.com slash the Coalition Radio. Um, and on the mighty, mighty Twitter at Coalition underscore radio. So forgive me for the shameless self-promotion. No worries. <laughs> That's what we're all about. We always, on, on every issue, every episode, we ask the guests how we can support them. So that's perfect. We're glad to guide people there. So mm-hmm. the Coalition is what it's called? Yep. It's the Coalition Radio Network. We're at coalitionradionetwork.com. Most of our stuff goes direct to social media because we just simply don't have the time. It all happens so quickly. This afternoon, for example, we got video of a um, in-jail video of a uh, police officer who had uh, somehow managed to get uh, come off as innocent in a uh, police-involved shooting last year of a teenager. Uh, he was rearrested last week on a DUI charge, and we got video. And, of course, the video has him, you know, spouting homophobic profanities and death threats and things like that. And you know, we got to get that up. We got to get that online. You got to get that to the people. So sure. we, uh, a lot of our stuff goes right out to YouTube, right out to Facebook, right out to Twitter, uh, because a lot of it's video, uh, and video is our thing. We we talk to people a lot. We don't write a lot. We'd rather sure. talk to people because you're getting their honest reaction on camera. How do you keep yourself safe? Because it sounds like when you expose powerful people, they would not like it, and they might go after you. How do you keep yourself safe? I don't worry about it. Um, you know, it, it's a great question. I, you know, we joke about it. I, I cover some of the best riots in Rhode Island. I've been at two, uh, I mean, two events which were interrupted by protesters this week. But, you know, I spend a lot of time on the streets interacting with organizations of virtually every political stripe, every political extreme. You know, I, we, we, we do, we've done a lot of reporting on the uh, opioid epidemic and recovery. We've done a lot of reporting on criminal justice systems, particularly in Rhode Island where it's failed. We have one of the worst solitary confinement arrangements in the nation here. Uh, we're in violation of, of multiple UN human rights accords. If Rhode Island were a, a sovereign state, we'd actually be considered a torture state under the UN guidelines. So wow. it's, it's, you, you make sure you, <laughs> one thing I can't do is ever have a cocktail while I'm out because if I ever get pulled over, Yikes. You know, you just keep it clean and keep to the facts. And um, you're so public that really no one's going to give you a hard time. And you just stick sure. to the facts. Because, you're, you know, and, and if people want to sue me, bring it on. Discovery is mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. Lawsuits can run a couple different ways. And no one has. Yeah. And, uh, and, again, I get in the grills of politicians all the time. Not yelling, not screaming. Again, facts, impersonal, no emotions. Only just the yep. That's it. That's all you can do. You let it rip from there. Sure. Does the Libertarian National Committee have a page that people can go to to learn more about the committee? Uh, the Libertarian, okay, so you want to go to lp.org. Okay. Um, there's the one thing about our website, it's very easy to navigate. You can see the platform. You can see the. You can read about the LNC, the LNC members, uh, some wonderful people, some great backgrounds. A lot of young people, some older people like myself. It, it, it's just a wonderful group. Um, I particularly point people to uh, Karen Ann Harlos, who is our uh, secretary and something of a liberty legend herself. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's The website affords you a number of opportunities to join. 
Uh, we discussed something called the non-aggression principle. And when you join the Libertarian Party, you pledge not to use it force or aggression or fraud in your everyday dealings. It's something that you're – I often joke that on the Democratic page is probably a – uh, <laughs> probably an oath that you have to swear to use force fraud or, or aggression. We, we have a saying in the libertarian movement, great ideas never require force. All right? We have another saying, we want to be elected to the highest levels of power so we can leave you the hell alone. Okay? Uh, we, we, the, one of the biggest fundamental real world, real life differences between us and other parties is that we would trust you to make decisions for yourself. You don't need the nanny state. You don't need the, 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 the fascist state. You don't need the police state. You don't need the drug war state. You don't need the military state to tell you what to think or do. You just don't. And along with that comes responsibility to yourself because we haven't all made the best decisions at times, resident company included. Um, but ultimately, you bear responsibility for yourself. That's freedom. And sometimes that includes the freedom to fail. But we're not okay. interested in dictating the terms of your life to you. And that extends into virtually every aspect. A lot of political parties are often asked, well, how do you feel about this issue? Or how do you feel about that issue? Our responsibility is to represent the ultimate minority. And that's the rights of the individual. Hmm. So we don't, we don't dictate beliefs on individual issues. We believe in creating an environment where you can make those decisions yourself. And you can be outward about them, and people can judge and define their relationships with you on an individual basis without being told how to think about you, whether it be your race, your religion, um, you, you know, your, 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 uh, your political beliefs. None of that should matter. And you should be completely transparent about that to people. So you have the right to be a terrible human being, but with that will come consequences to you being a terrible human being, yeah. as long as you don't engage in force or fraud or violence. Yeah. So it's 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 hard to explain to a lot of people because so many folks, good people, are used to being told what to do, and there's a comfort in being told what to do. There's almost a freedom in being told what to do because then you bear none of the responsibilities yourself. We're saying we're going to open things up for you wide open, and, you know, Let's roll the dice. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what you as an individual can accomplish. That's probably the, the broadest way to describe the libertarian movement. That sounds like a good summary. It's remarkably simple. People make yeah. politics really hard. It doesn't have to be. You know, it, it, just, it just doesn't. Lay it all out and let people make decisions. Don't use the system like it. We call it the duopoly. We call the Republicans and the Democrats the duopoly. Yeah. And it's not a compliment. Um, and they work very aggressively to contain, you know, the, the focus of your show, which is third-party grassroots movements. They work overtime to make sure that people don't have a choice. One of the reasons why we support ranked choice voting is because it gives people a way to rank, well, their choices and, and give opportunities or not – we're constantly preached to that it's important to support the winners that you can't vote for a libertarian or a green or a working family party or any of them because they won't win. That's a quote-unquote waste of voice. Yeah. And, and bothered ash on that. That's, that's nonsense. People should vote for whom they believe in. And yeah. given that opportunity, and not the state should not be used, as it is so aggressively, 
to limit people's choices. The state sets arbitrary and capricious rules for ballot access. The state, you know, limits, you know, engages, you know, limits, uh, you know, the ability for citizens to put up resolutions uh, to, to enact legislation themselves. And it all comes down to the fact that they think that they're smarter than us. And, well, things aren't working out so well lately, are they? And I, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I believe that they're smarter than anybody. I think they're regular folks just like us. And, um, you know, it, we, need, we need an environment where alternatives can be explored. And that doesn't exactly. exist right now. Exactly. That's, an, that's what we're here for, to give those Absolutely. alternatives a voice. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, that's good stuff. I trust our audience likes what you're saying and they support what you're saying. So it's good stuff for them to hear. Well, I'd love some feedback. Folks can reach out to me. Whether if they're interested in the libertarian movement, I'm happy to uh, help them or direct them to anybody who will answer their questions. Um, I'm everywhere on the web. You know, I, I'm a media guy. I'm easy to find. I actually okay. love to engage with people so they can reach out to me about that. They can reach out to me about the media. Uh, and if they have other ideas or if they think I'm on the wrong, I'm, I, I welcome conversation. I, I'm not a like conversation guy. I you know, we'd love to hear from people, and, and we'd love to have people give the, the libertarian movement a test drive, see if it's for them. See if if they don't wake up to the fact that most people are actually libertarian. Most people want to make their own decisions. Most people want their own little – they want their world. They want their private Idaho. They want to have – they want to be able to teach the children and raise their children in the manner that they believe is best, um, which, by the way, doesn't have to – I don't have to approve of anything. All right. I, if, if someone wants to live a collective lifestyle, as long as it's voluntary, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with labor unions because labor unions are nothing more than the, the labor force gathering together to gain economy of scale and power in the marketplace, as long as no one's forced. And that's the single biggest issue about being a libertarian. We do not support, will not endorse, will not engage in force. And that's if there was any one takeaway that I'd love to have people do today, that would be one of them. All right. All right. Awesome. I hope I, uh, <laughs> you can tell I love to talk, so I, I beg your, your listeners' indulgence in that. We're, that's what we're here for. Our audience loves to hear people like you who are doing things that matter speak about what they're doing. Excellent. All right. We thank you for coming on the podcast today, and we wish you all the best in your personal and professional endeavors. Excellent. Thank you so much, and all the best to you and your audience. And thanks for inviting me on. Of course. Our pleasure. Have a great night. Take care.